0: When I was growing up, I didn't really think very highly of this Feast of the Ascension because I just, I couldn't understand what the big deal was. Young Father Matt, or I suppose just Matt at the time, would think, okay, so Jesus is back in heaven. Um, What does that have to do with me? Or perhaps another way to ask that question is, so why do I care? It wasn't really, I mean, I knew I was supposed to care, I just didn't. I didn't know why. It wasn't until probably halfway through seminary before I could actually start to formulate a good answer to that question. When I started learning about things like the various covenants in the Bible and all of that, I learned that the fulfillment of the covenant of David, the Davidic covenant, The covenant where God said that David's son will be put on the throne for all eternity wasn't complete until the ascension because it wasn't until the ascension that Christ was seated at the right hand of the Father, taking that throne to rule over heaven and earth. It wasn't until halfway through seminary that I learned that the Feast of the Ascension has all to do with that and with the church and with how we actually can possibly go to heaven that I started to realize just how amazing and important today is. At the beginning of the book of the Acts of the Apostles, which we heard today, Jesus ascends to heaven. And when he does that, the apostles start to recognize that they're in this for the long haul, that they're going to be here a while, And so they elect Matthias as a successor to Judas. And so they recognize that they are a group that the Lord has left on this earth to lead this church He has left behind as His representatives. And He gave them power to do amazing things like to forgive sin. Something only God can do was now a gift that they could give to His people. And they were also given this power to bind and loose law not only on earth but in heaven, which is another incredible thing. And it culminates at Pentecost when God the Father, through His only begotten Son, breathed the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. That is, He breathed the Holy Spirit into His church. And so Jesus Christ, in his ascension to his heavenly throne, makes all of this possible. He is the head of the body of Christ, which is one of the names by which we understand the church. We are the parts of that body. And so when Christ ascends into heaven with his body, he takes the church with him. He takes us with him. St. Paul teaches us that he is seated above the angels. The principalities and authorities and powers and dominions, those are all angels assigned to guard those various groupings. Jesus is seated above them for all ages, and all things are put under his feet and subjected to him. That's what we heard in Ephesians. And we, joining Jesus Christ as his body, when we are in union with him, share in that great dignity. It's because of this that we say that humanity is called to a destiny higher than that of even the angels, because we have been united to Jesus Christ, who sits at the right hand of the Father. And when we are in union with him, that is where we are too. And so the ascension, when Christ goes to sit on his throne in heaven, it's critically important because the ascension is when it, finally became, when it finally became possible for us to realize the full potential to which God has called us. We are called to heaven. And we can get there because we are part of the body of Christ, which is already in heaven and on earth. The body of Christ brought into heaven by Jesus Christ, our King and our High Priest. And, you know, in Latin they call him the Pontifex, which means bridge. He is the way to heaven. He brings us there with him. And when we recognize this reality, that our unity as the body of Christ, our unity together, where we share, that we share as his body, is what makes it possible. It helps us to understand why unity and communion within our own church is so important. It helps us to recognize that even though each of us are individually valuable and loved beyond anything we can imagine by God, when we are united, we become even greater than that. To help understand this, there's a very good analogy I ran across recently Think about the cells in our human body. We have bone cells and blood cells and brain cells and all sorts of cells, and I'm sure there's doctors here who could tell me about them a lot, right? But in many cases, they can take some of these cells, and those cells can live outside of our bodies. They don't have the same kind of life when they're separated from us, but they still stay living. When the cells in our body begin to rebel against us, when they begin to function improperly, that's when we get sick. And If enough of our cells do that, we even might die. If we think about that and use it to help us understand the body of Christ, it helps us recognize we are like those cells. And when we work together to complete the work that God has given us, The body of Christ is something amazing and it shines forth beautifully and gives life to the world and it pulls the world out of the darkness of evil that wishes to destroy all of us because the sum is so much greater than just the parts. But remember that when that cell has less life, when it's been removed from us, so do we struggle with less life when we are removed from the body of Christ. And that happens when we fall into mortal sin. Our disunity causes harm to the body. And we can only be returned to our proper place when Christ, in his role as the divine physician, heals us in sacramental confession. In fact, if we are to try and force our way back into that body of Christ, for example, by receiving the Eucharist, before going to confession with those mortal sins, we put ourselves in danger and we cause further sickness to the body of Christ. Think about that analogy again. What happens to those broken and damaged cells if they are not healed? The immune system gets rid of them for the good of the body. They're destroyed. And so it's critically important that they get healed before we get healed, before we come back so that that sort of thing doesn't happen to us. The reason that it is so dangerous is because what we're saying by receiving that Eucharist, for example, is that we are in union with Christ and His will. But in fact, we are living something else. We are living a truth that says, I follow my own will over Christ. And so that just further compounds the issue and causes more and more trouble. So the Ascension can help us to understand why union in the church is so important, why we must unify our will to the will of our Heavenly Father. It can help us understand why humanity is brought to such a beautifully high place in heaven. It's because we're united with Jesus Christ. It reminds us of the importance of remaining in communion with one another, And it reminds us of how important it is to always strive to do the good because to do the good is to do the will of God. It also gives us hope because the ascension shows us that when we are united with Jesus Christ, we do not need to fear evil or any other thing because for the members of his body, all of that is beneath our feet. If we look at the very beginning, at the Garden of Eden, God gave man creation to rule over it. And Adam messed it up. I can't say I would have done any better, let's be honest. But when God sent his son to this earth, and then his son returned to heaven triumphantly, Jesus Christ was given rule over all creation as a new Adam a new Adam who was both fully man and fully God, who could destroy sin. And so in the ascension, we see that very first sin finally overcome and conquered because man is put back again as the ruler of creation, except this time we will not fail because we have Christ as our head.